Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Secret Invasion. Imagine a world where information can't be trusted. Not very hard, is it? Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 1, titled Resurrection, directed by Ali Salim. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series. It's kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, this premiere episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we reveal our true forms, let me introduce you to my fellow Skrull. Joining me today, beaming down from high up there, we have a Daryl, a Donovan, and now a delightful young man. He's Darcy the Green-Lovin' Hudson. Yeah, still still coming to terms with that intro for this the, this, <laughs> this watch club, I guess. I'll start Darryl changing up the names. Donovan, okay. <laughs> I'll get you more D names. I'll see how many I can Please do. Out. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to see how far you can take this. We'll have to find some more humans. You know, right into the show, if you're a human, you want to, you want Darcy to take your mind and your name. And okay, no, I don't, I don't want to be on board for this. I don't like this He's anymore. one of the good scrolls, I guess. Uh, Darcy, it's great to be back with another Watch Club. This is our 18th Watch Club, by the way, Jesus. which is pretty dope. Yeah, I was going to say nuts yeah. and dope, and I said note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are. At this point in in the game here, but um, you know this is we're back with a Marvel series. This show is very um, different from what we've seen before, reminding me a lot of how Andor was was different with Star Wars, and I think a lot of people are saying that. And I think this is a different pace for the series. What are you thinking so far? Uh, well, again, I'm I'm loving the fact that the stakes are laid out right in the first scene, and then they continue going at like on octane it's just such a fast ride to get through this spy thriller and i'm loving it is like like you said it's such a unique uh, direction for marvel to take again kind of proving that like when they take a chance like werewolf by night being very of its own genre and being mm-hmm. so well this when they're fully leaning into the the spy thriller and I, I think it's paying off so far definitely definitely yeah i think it's i think it's one of those things where i'm, I'm hoping this sort of and and we'll get to obviously the the biggest thing that happens in the episode at the end of the episode at the end of this watch club, but um, I think that in itself and then just sort of I think going back to the mentality of of Winter Soldier and as you're saying this very genre specific storytelling um, I think I'm hoping that we get to see more of that from Marvel I'd love to see them explore even further into other realms of genre storytelling because i think i think that's when we're getting the most uh fresh freshness at this Mm -hmm. point (laughs) in the marvel Mm -hmm. cinematic universe um but listen before one of us is revealed to be a traitor obviously it would be darcy uh let's get into see he's trying to be all nice and like oh i would never take another donovan or whatever (laughs) this is just a stone person not knowing how to be reacting being accused of something (laughs) like that man that's too what chill. It is. That's what it is. Too chill. Sure, sure. It's 
what he wants you to think. Uh, <laughs> but let's get into this episode, uh, which begins in present-day Moscow, um, where we see a rather nervous Everett Ross sneaking through the dark as we hear Agent Prescott asking us to imagine a world where information can't be trusted. Uh, it's then revealed that he's talking to Ross, who pushes back on all of his theories that the five global terrorist strikes are all from the same entity, an architect uh, in the tension, he says, you know, not people, but scrawls. Uh, and he reminds Ross that Carol Danvers and Nick Fury promised them that, they, you know, they'd find them a new home 30 years ago. But now they just they, they you know, they don't want any planet, the scrawls. They want our planet. Uh, as Ross continues to rebuke Prescott, he says that if he's going to contact Nick Fury, he needs evidence. And Prescott hands Ross the evidence to prove the next big attack uh, and then proceeds to attack him. After a struggle, Ross shoots Prescott uh, and begins to make his escape. He then realizes he's being followed and the chase begins until he attempts to jump off a roof and doesn't quite make it, falling almost to his death uh, until Maria Hill approaches him telling his pursuer to put his hands up. And then we see him, uh, we see the pursuer shapeshift into Talos uh, and that Ross, uh, sorry, that he wasn't chasing Ross, but rather a Skrull who then proceeds to die. So Darcy, what did you think of this opener uh, and how it sort of sets the tone for the series? Uh, again, I think I love it because they, they lay out right in, in Adrian Prescott's whole spiel paints exactly the threat that these these shapeshifters can be and how they can be hiding in plain sight. The ones you most love could be the ones who could stab you in the back and everything like that. And that immediately tells you that these Skrulls aren't the, you know, uh, refugees that we, we knew from Captain Marvel mm. looking for a new home. Time has passed, and of course with time, you know, resentment will stew and linger and sometimes fester into this rebellion. So I, I think it's a great way of catching up after what would be like 30 years since they, they came to Earth. So, yeah, again, loved how it sets up the, the whole timeline almost for where this is happening. Yeah, and I think it's, it's to that point on timeline, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's pretty fantastic the way that it, sort of just thrusts you into this situation. You're not, you know, it's it's something that's been going on uh, for 30 years, and it's been part of this canon, but just hidden in the background, mm -hmm. which is so perfect because the scrawls are hidden. But um, I love the exchange between Maria and Talos where he says, uh, or sorry, where she says he was one of you, and he says, nah, he's one of them. I think it just sets up the understanding that just like humans, like you're saying, there are good humans uh, and there are bad humans, and not all of them share the same ideologies or morals, uh, and that's very much what's happening with the Skrulls. Um, Prescott, uh, giving a very, um, uh, what's his name from uh, from Always Sunny? <laughs> uh, Charlie Day. A very yeah. Charlie Day, that meme <laughs> situation. He's looking, <laughs> even down to like the, the tie and the shirt, I was just like, oh my gosh, this well, is going to get... It took me a second watch to realize that was Beric Dondarrion himself Beric from Game Dondarian. of Thrones. And I'm just like, oh, he was too crazy for me to even notice that first time through. He was so selling that, you know, there's a conspiracy, man. There's aliens running yeah. the country. Like, I loved it. Well, it's good to know that he'll probably just be revived. He'll come back again after he's been <laughs> I, shot. Yeah, he has that luck in this this universe. <laughs> Maybe not in this universe. Um, and then, I guess, when did you, when for you, watching it at least the first time, when did you clock that Ross was a Skrull? Was there a moment prior to the reveal, or were you just kind of like, were you sh shocked? Something as was always fishy, because, I mean, he dealt with the events of Wakanda Forever and what happened in that movie. And, and the fact that he's seen so much crap right now, I don't think he'd be the type of guy to say no. He would say, okay, let's see a bit mm -hmm. more. And like the fact that he 
was shooting him down even after getting a lot of this evidence without seeing like that physical tablet or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about that was very fishy yeah. to me. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting because the moment for me when he gets hit by the car, I was like, he would not get up so fast from That's getting hit great by a car. Didn't think of that. Um, and and you see him also running up the stairs, and I love that shot by the way. Like kudos to the the cinematography in this show because that shot of of just the building. And you just see the the each window like lighting up from floor to floor, but it goes faster and faster. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no way he could run that fast. Uh, and then that splat sound, dude, when he when he hits the ground, <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh! I felt so horrible for him, but instantly re- relieved when it wasn't actually Ross. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what's cool about this scene is like again, being a comic book fan in the original Secret Invasion because it was. Unlike this show, it was very the heroes were the ones who the scrolls were were you know imitating and, and replicating. That's where the whole conundrum came from. But one of the first things that clued off all the heroes is the fact that Electro dies and shifts into a scroll, and that was the one moment where they realized that you can't trust anybody. Mm. And I feel like that's what this Everett's death in this series is meant to imply is that we all we all love him and as an audience like that, and you don't want to question him, but. You should be questioning everyone now. Yeah, you don't want to like, instantly you can't trust anything. You don't want to instantly like you know it's Bilbo Baggins here. You know he's the nicest guy in the world. You don't want to just instantly <laughs> shut him down. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now I I did want to kind of get into the the opening credits and just talk a little bit about it. Um, it's a bit of controversy uh, going on. I'm not sure if you've seen Darcy, but uh, I have an article from Polygon here. Yes, Secret Invasion's opening credits scene uh, is AI made. Uh, This is from Zasha Millman, who reports that in an interview with uh, director Ali Salim, uh, quote, when we reached out to the AI vendors, uh, that was part of it. It just came right out of the shape-shifting Skrull world identity, you know, Uh, who did this, who is this, uh, says Salim. Um, And I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of controversy with this in terms of the fact that it is AI art. Um, you know, we had a, we've Marvel's had its fair share of controversy in terms of, you know, uh, the the proper payment for its VFX artists, and you know, this is just something that, uh, from a standpoint of of, you know, with with the writers' strike going on, uh, there's there's this sort of um, area of the industry of just pay the people that are making this stuff, uh, and so a lot of people are pretty upset about this opener. Um, I will say uh, thematically. I think it it does make sense. I think the idea of um, you know the, the video of of sort of all these people, different aspects about them are changing shape. Their ears are slightly changing shape as you look at them. If you've ever had the chance to watch an AI created video, I will say, unlike you know AI art, um, I think you know, and it will probably be like two weeks from now, like the. By the time this is posted, what I'm saying will be outdated. But, but there, because that's how fast <laughs> it's freaking growing. But, but you know, AI video doesn't look like it could replace video. It, it kind of looks like it is its own style in a way. So I completely understand the aspect of like, no, 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 humans should have created this opener, should have created the art for it. But as far as the stylistic choice of having things constantly shifting and 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 eyes getting slightly bigger and smaller, in a, in an interesting way, it's it's that's kind of um that's the limit of the technology that's sort of added to the idea of you know you don't know who to trust everything's constantly shifting. Uh, what are your thoughts, Darcy, on this 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 AI opener? 
I mean, I didn't know it was AI. That whole conversation is something that I, I don't even know how I feel yet. It's very weird. I mean, talking with Justin, who works in the industry, he's even talked about how it can be useful, but also incredibly harmful. So, mm-hmm. again, don't know how I feel about that. The opener, though, I do enjoy, like you were saying, that shifting and amorphic qualities of the, to these pictures and characters kind of lends into that uncanny value, like building this distrust in like everything you see because like you'll be like oh that looks like you know samuel jackson but then the next like it shifts a bit you're like oh but does it is it him right like you know it's it, it gives you that mistrust of all these characters we already know and so i do enjoy that like that spin you get from this this opening right sequence. i think you know we see uh there's moments where you see characters in russia that are consistently changing obviously with this episode mm-hmm. Uh, and this series taking place in Russia. I think, um, you know, we see cops at one point, just a, a, a whole lineup of cops that are all scrolls and and uh, and yeah, it's it's intriguing. There there is a shot of the White House as well, um, and it it stays white, which which is interesting. Um, there's a big cloud of green that kind of goes over top of it, um, but we'll we'll talk about maybe the president a little bit later because uh, I have some <laughs> thoughts about that guy. Um, but let's keep going here. We continue as we hear a boom uh, and a beam of light coming down as we see Nick Fury back on Earth. He stumbles forward until he's met by Maria Hill, who welcomes him back to Earth, and uh, the two embrace in a hug. Back at Hill's apartment, Fury immediately heads upstairs to see Talos, who's standing next to a plant from his homeworld, which he has with him as a reminder of his now-deceased wife, Soren. Fury apologizes to Talos for his loss, and after a brief moment of tenderness, Fury snaps back into business, asking about Gravik. Talos tells Fury that after the blip, he was uh, he was different, and that he disappeared along with uh, Carol and Gaia, uh, Talos's daughter. Uh, Talos mentions he was kicked off the council uh, and pushed into exile, but Gravik took Nick's abandonment personally. Um, so. Something I noticed, uh, you know, sort of watching the episode uh, the second time is he's struggling to walk on his right leg. Uh, Nick Fury is uh, as soon as he gets off the ship. Was he injured? And, you know, I think the other thing to to question is that moment of tenderness between him and Talos. Do you think that it was uncharacteristic of Nick Fury? uh, Or do you think his relationship with Talos justifies how he responds to the conversation about Soren? Well, first on the leg thing, I think that, it, I mean, Guy's been around for so long, he's seen so many battles, I wouldn't be surprised if he has an old wound that after being in, you know, reduced or like reduced gravity or, you know, even weightless up in mm. space, I'm not sure how Saber runs with their gravity systems, <laughs> they don't go into that detail right. really. So, I mean, coming back to space, he would have experienced, you know, bone density loss and all the stuff that astronauts do deal with coming back after you know stints on the uh, international space station so i i feel like that might be a bit of it is that the this wound is aggravated by his return to full gravity but uh on the comment of his uh their you know touching reunion i think it makes sense i mean think about it they they first met each other 30 years ago and if they've been working closely for at least 20 of those before everything went crazy with the avengers and stuff mm-hmm. like that like these guys have been around block for a few times probably. So I feel like that, that it makes sense that this is probably the only person that that Nick Fury can trust really. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I see. I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like, 
yo, Nick's being real soft right now. Like, is Nick Fury a softy like this? And then that starts getting my speculation brain going. And then I'm like, I'm like, okay, so is this maybe, I'm like, is this a scroll that was injured escaping from Saber who got shot in the leg by Nick Fury, right? Which like, at first you're kind of thinking like, well, why would he pretend to care about Talos or Hill or any of them? And then, you know, remember in this episode, we do see Skrulls taking the the memories and the minds of people. What if this is like a commentary on like, you know, there's 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 um, a, a lot of stories about spies who uh, have to become Americans or, you know, or, or you know, and they, they sort of yeah, sleeper agents. Yeah. But then they their minds start messing with them because they fall so in love with their persona that they've created. I'm wondering if this is maybe like a story about a character, a scroll who is 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 confused and actually believes that they are Nick Fury. Um, maybe I'm I'm reaching here. I don't know. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a crazy take way to take this this whole series. I was hoping that Nick Fury is the only person you think that isn't a scroll. Yeah. Like I don't even think Talos is Talos. That's honestly, I'm leaning more that way than Nick Fury, not Nick Fury type mm. thing. But it's just like because because yeah. in the in that scene with the with the plant, um, Talos says uh, it's changed. Is it Talos or Talos? Talos. By the way, Talos. I think they say it both ways. Depends on if you're in it's a Han or Han all over. Yeah, again. if you're in Britain, I think it's it's Talos. Uh, but no, I think <laughs> um, I think it. You know, there's that that moment when he says uh, it's changed since she plant since she planted it. Uh, it's adapted to the planet. Uh, and then, you know, he says, yeah, well, you always believed that was possible. And in my mind, I'm like thinking like, OK, is this him sort of saying like it isn't possible to adapt? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I'm just I'm 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 really trying to <laughs> stretch this idea that he's a scroll. Uh, yeah, apparently I just I, I was getting I, I'm hoping Nick Fury is just Nick Fury. Yeah, please. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is a story about Nick Fury. I mean, yes. you know, after after seeing him in, in No Way Home and then getting through that whole movie, and then by the end of it, you're like, wait, what? Um, all right, back with Maria at the dinner table. Her and Talos catch up. Uh, sorry, catch Nick up to speed, letting him know that Gravik is the newest member of the Skrull Council, uh, and that he's radicalizing young displaced Skrulls hiding in an abandoned nuclear plants uh, in, a, in abandoned nuclear plants across Russia. He plans to create a false war between Russia and America, forming a shell terrorist group called the AAR, Americans Against Russia, which I think right now all Americans, I think a lot of Canadians, a lot of people are against uh, Russia uh, in our real world. Uh, but, uh, but Talos tells Nick that if Gravik succeeds, then the human race will cease to exist because America and Russia having nukes and, and what have you. Uh, physically angered by this, Nick abruptly stands up, grabs his coat, and leaves for a walk. Uh, back at the White House, we see James Rhodes informing President Ritson that Nick Fury has left Saber and that both Hill and Fury are effectively AWOL, and the president tells Rhodes to get on it. Uh, just before we continue, quick note on the president of the United States here, played by Dermot Mulrooney. Uh, Kevin Feige, I don't know if you saw this, Darcy, came out in an interview with Entertainment Weekly and recently confirmed uh, around the change of Captain America Brave New World that Thaddeus Ross will be the president of the United States in that film. So my question mm. for you, Darcy, is does President Ritson simply die in this show, or could he possibly be a scroll? and that's why they have to replace him by the end of the show? Oh, huh. that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, 
he he could easily die. I, I could see that happening. I, he's easily a target of interest for this whole worldwide debacle mm-hmm. uh, that they're, the scrolls are trying to ma- uh, you know manipulate into happening. This World War Three almost to leave it a nuclear wasteland that they can turn into new scrolls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could easily happen, or it could just be you know maybe he people don't like his actions the way he handles this whole secret invasion and then he's they they boot him out oh. and Thaddeus Ross uses that as a platform for his election campaign right. i don't know maybe something you, like that you maybe don't not want so, this guy as your president so yeah 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 you, you know he's he he let the scrolls invade and yeah uh, yeah stuff like that, that is, yeah maybe that's the way that's very <laughs> possible i see i you know i it's just like you know i think later in the episode we do hear that um, sonia mentions scrolls are sort of putting themselves in positions of power all around the world so uh, you know i think the the white house makes sense but as i was mentioning earlier in the opening credits the white house stays white uh it doesn't go green it doesn't turn into a green building like all the other buildings in the opening credits so i'm wondering maybe uh that's them sort of foreshadowing hey no, no 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 the president stays not a scroll and i don't know i don't know we'll see we'll see Okay, uh, let's keep going here. Um, Then, while out for his walk, Nick passes by a couple macking it up. They're just making out. And then, creepily, the woman stares at him. Like, if I'm, like, if I saw, if (laughs) if I was watching some people make out like that, and then one of them looked at me, I'm not going to keep looking at them, but but Nick does. Uh, And then a a little girl comes over and she's got, like, this little ball, and he's like, "What what the heck's a girl doing out here right now? Uh, and then out of nowhere, he's abducted by the goons of special agent Sonia Fallsworth, uh, who I think it's spelt differently, but there's also a James Montgomery Fallsworth who's in the uh, in Captain America. Um, he's one of the Howling Commandos, so I'm wondering if maybe she's a descendant of his because he's also British. Um, all British people are related. Uh, and then over a drink, they discuss Gravik, and Sonia says, uh, says sorry, then over a drink, they discuss Gravik, uh, and Sonia says Fury knows him personally. He corrects her, telling her he knew him, um, and Nick offers to work with her, but Sonia uh, just quickly denies him, telling him to get back to his space station, saying he's not ready for this fight, uh, and he leaves, but he successfully plants a bug in her living room on one of her many ornate clocks. Darcy, what do, what do you think um, Sonia's relationship was with Nick Fury. Does it do they ever explain that in terms of like who who she was to him? I mean, I feel like she was just someone from his past as a as spy or agent for the CIA. She's probably like MI6 or yeah. something. The, the the MI6 is Nick Fury. It probably was her equivalency. So that's why they always probably work together or That would make sense. Destroying her flat which was a, a city <laughs> confused by that. How does she see a, a city as a flat? But con- well, I on. think, I think, yeah, maybe her flat was part of the destruction in no uh, way home she, uh, right, in the UK. Yep. Uh, so maybe that's, that's kind of where she's going off of it. And like, but like that wasn't Nick Fury though, but maybe she thinks it was Nick Fury because he would have been reported on the scene, but it was actually Talos Talos or Talos yeah. or Talos as they say. And, I guess would that Soren have been Maria Hill in that? Yes, one? you got to think that would still be yes. Soren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you kind of get this sense that they were frenemies in a way. You know what I mean? Like a relationship formed yeah. out of oh, duty yeah. rather than actual f- friendship. One hundred percent. 
Someone you tolerate because you need to work with them type Absolutely. thing. <laughs> um, but I, she's fantastic in the show. I really... Oh, seems oh, I love her so much, and I can't wait to see more of her in this series. Uh, 312 kilometers south of Moscow, a young man approaches a gate, telling the gatekeepers he wants, his, uh, he wants a home in his own skin. Uh, and a woman approaches him and asks him to take his natural form, in which he reveals, get this, Darcy, he's a scrawl. Uh, she welcomes him to New Skrullos, uh and gives him a drive along with some food uh, from their home planet. Uh, and we learn that his name is Beto. Uh, they arrive at one of the... Um, sorry, Beto. And we learn that his name is Beto. Uh, they then arrive at one of the abandoned nuclear plants where we see an entire Skrull community, over 500 strong, uh, complete with kids playing and refugees surviving. Uh, the, the woman enters uh, a room where, she, where we see a bunch of humans, you know, sort of strapped to chairs. They're unconscious. They've got beams of energy flowing from their heads. Uh, and we see a young Skrull warrior take a human's face and then his mind. Uh, so, Darcy, my question here is, what do you think of New Skrullos? And why do you think they, they want to keep humans alive? They have the face. They have the minds. Why don't they just kill them? Well, on the first thing about New Skrullos, I mean, I love how they're still trying to make us feel pity for these the, 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 these refugees. Because a lot of these Skrulls you see at this compound, or at least, aren't in hiding. They're the ones who are, are truly seeking somewhere that they can call mm -hmm. home. And not going to such extreme means as, you know, these warriors, warrior factions. So I, I love seeing the, the community that they're building there. And it, again, it makes you feel for them and understand their plight, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, shifting over to why they're keeping humans. Uh, that's obviously, be I, I mean, not obviously. I, I believe it's because you probably need the human to be alive to retain that memory link. As soon as, oh. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if, if they die in the comics or whoever they're replicating dies in the comics, the memories will start fading. And within like 48 oh, wow. hours, you won't okay. have any of their memories left. So it's, I'm guessing it's something along those lines. And I mean, what I think is cool about this whole thing is that all these scrolls or warriors we're seeing, if they're portrayed by great actors like, you know, Kingsley Benadir and, and Emily Clark, there's potential for them to return to the MCU in a different as role. Humans. As, yeah. as humans. Oh, wow. And potentially, you know, changed by their, the events of being held captive by scrolls. So I, that's, that's cool. Seeing the fact that they're keeping humans alive yeah. gave me hope that some of these actors might, you know, pull a double duty in the MCU. For that's some. a really cool concept in the sense that like, and like that, I mean, it even plays off the idea that we were talking about when when Marvel was starting to do the multiverse stuff of like, well, mm -hmm. they could technically just bring any character back. Like death doesn't actually matter. Um, but I think that's a, that's yet another opportunity for them to creatively work in the idea of bringing a character back was would be to say like, oh, yeah, well, they died. Yeah, but they were a scroll. So <laughs> here's, here's the actual yeah. them or something. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I think New Skrullos. Yeah, I think it's it's. You're right. I think there's a, a lot of the scrolls in New Skrullos that have no idea uh, of of what Gravik is doing, of what the council is doing, of what any anything that's going on. They're just there to survive. They see this place as a home, um, and and you know they probably have rules that they've they've got established. But I don't I don't think any of them think it's for any nefarious reason. It's just to make you know ensure their, for their safety, safety and survival yeah um and then as far as yeah not destroying them i didn't even think about the whole aspect of the memory wipe i was wondering if like it also would work 
in their advantage to uh, if if they if they need to re reuse them. Like, are they reusable? Like, can they can they can a scroll take a face and a mind, and then if that scroll dies, could they just do you know do that again with another scroll and then put them right back in that place? Again, very possible. Didn't even think of that. I was also thinking that you know you you do a crime or whatever using the your these shells as yeah. they call them again. What they treat us like cattle. These, these scrolls, <laughs> we're nothing to them apparently. Yeah. But uh, like, so you use you do the crime or whatever, and then you release the shell back out on the streets, not knowing what happened. And if they said, oh, "I was taken by a bunch of green aliens," no one no, would believe them. No, you're just them. insane like, at that point. You're an insane mm-hmm. person who's going to jail uh, for the or an insane asylum type thing. So, it I, yeah, that's the way. That's another reason why they might be keeping them. Again, an easy scapegoat to be like, yeah. This will, you know, keep them off our trail for a bit or whatever. Like, I have no idea. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, all right. Then back with Fury, Hill, and Talos, we see Sonya confirms uh, that Skrulls have infiltrated major threats from around the world. She's in a, like, sort of a holographic video um, that we're seeing through the feed of that that bug that, that Nick planted. Uh, and she's talking to some man, some British man, uh, telling him that a specialist named Vasily Propitian, uh, a former Chechen rebel who owns a high-end gallery in the city center, uh, has the ability to restore radioactivity to bombs. Uh, the man demands, this British guy demands, she sends in a raid and she refuses. Nick walks in munching on some freshly popped popcorn, which made me want popcorn when I was watching this episode, uh, <laughs> suggests that they beat Sonia to the specialist as Sonia will destroy any and everyone who's even heard the name Gravik. Uh, Nick reminds Talos, that Gravik knows that mercy is a weakness and it's time to prove him wrong. Uh, so Darcy, who do you think this British guy that Sonia is talking to here is? Is this someone of note or is this just someone higher up in, in MI6 or who do you think this guy is? I mean, it could be someone higher up in MI6 or like we saw earlier with Don Cheadle talking to the president, it could be maybe the prime minister oh, of, uh, of, of England yeah. or something. Possibly. I mean, think about who Nick Fury would answer to in America and then try and equate that over to Sonya's uh, equivalent in the mm-hmm, UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting, easy answer. I, f- I feel like there's something more to it. You give me yeah, give me let me see what your, oh, your, your little brain. Well, let's just put it this please. way. <laughs> I think that that absolutely is Tony Stark. No. Um, <laughs> no, I think, oh, I, I think, Damn, I didn't want to give you that. <laughs> I think that, um, they kind of hide his face a little bit though. You know, like why would they do that if this was just a nothing or no name character? And I'm not, I'm not saying this absolutely is a character that we, we know. I'm just wondering if they're hiding that as a reveal for, for later on. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like he's, he's important. Um, cause Sonia is. You know, I think she's she's she seems like a, as badass of a character as Nick Fury, and Nick Fury doesn't answer to no one. Uh, so so I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, but back at the compound, Gravik's second in command, named Pagan, um, informs Gravik. Maybe Pagan, 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 whatever names are interesting <laughs> with this series. Uh, Pagan informs Gravik that Fury is in town, uh, but that he shouldn't worry about it because the you know they're. They're, they're the inner circle. Nobody else is. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and Gravik tells him that he, he isn't the cause uh, and that the cause is home. You know, he's like, I'm not the cause. The cause is home. Uh, telling Pagan, we go tomorrow and we don't stop until this place is ours. 
the woman from earlier uh, is then tasked with buying two bags from Propretian, uh, and then uh, to get them to Moscow safe. Sorry, to Moscow's safe house, uh, intact and undisturbed. Uh, was it just me, Darcy, or was there some sort of like that conversation between Pagan and Gravik was really interesting to to me because it felt like it was being driven like his Pagan's um, drive felt like it was more personal, like like driven by love, and I don't mean like like a sexual love or like a like a, an intimate love with Gravik, but just some sort of like almost in the way that like he's seeing him like the next big thing like he he sees him as like almost he's like a god or, yeah he's an yeah. idol oh, yeah. Oh, um yeah. did you get that as well yeah a hundred percent like the fact that he had to be corrected that you know the cause is is more than just what gravic stands for it's it's for the whole you know race of scrolls mm-hmm. I, I think that goes to show that the gravic is incredibly charismatic and has, has swayed all these people to his side and that might come back to bite him because Maybe people don't want him to go that far. Maybe people want to keep him safe before, you know, not make the wrong enemies in, in the Avengers or, or Captain Marvel because they've seen what she can do. I don't know. It's it's really interesting to see, uh, like, this this relationship develop, I guess, or where it stands as, as we are dropped into this conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, it's like, and, and that's the thing. It's like, Pagan, um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how far some of these characters will go for Gravik. Um, because, you know, uh, as as Justin discussed with, uh, you know, Kingsley ben- Benadir uh, in uh, uh, an interview that uh, he did with him, which you can check out now on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash geekcentric. You know, uh, Kingsley mentions how Gravik is this character that will literally doesn't care about anything but getting the job done and, and might even sacrifice uh, himself. And so it'll be interesting to sort of see like, if those are the lengths that Gravik will go to the people that are working just under him or just, you know, with him, are they willing to go to those same lengths for him uh, or for, you know, this, this, this purpose of theirs. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, I keep saying the woman, by the way, listeners, just because we haven't gotten (laughs) to that part of the episode of who the character's name is. But this I woman took me a uh, second to realize who you were talking about. Yeah, when you said the woman that second time. Like, Amelia, Amelia Clark. Let's just say uh, her character in this in this scene. I love. She's reading a book, and it's uh, the it's called Understanding the Human Mind. And I'm just like, yeah, like that's dope. Like there, you know, she's consistently trying to um, become, you know, understand humanity even further, mm-hmm. even though she's lived there for so long. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Fury and Talos manage to get to uh, Propretian just late enough to have to question him, saying they, you know, they want some damn good answers. After lying twice to Nick Fury, Talos grabs Propretian and calls him up for being a Skrull, uh, and then he gets thrown in, you know, through a column. Fury attempts multiple times to take uh, to take out Propretian, but Talos yells at him, saying, "This is his fight. Stand down." Uh, until the fight gets a little too out of hand. And Nick pops Propitian twice through the back, killing him instantly. Talos, looking very defeated and disappointed, refuses Nick's hand when he offers to help him up. Um, Darcy, let's get into this. Why do you think Talos was so upset at Fury for killing their attacker? Well, because clearly Talos still doesn't want to fight his own people. He knows 
what mm-hmm. war did to his people in the past and doesn't want to go down that same those same steps seeing people die for pointless causes and reasons so i, I feel like again he doesn't want to hurt his own people but that might have to change if he wants to find, you know make earth a home and live in peace with the humans so yeah he's definitely at odds with himself right now trying to figure out where he stands in relation to his people yeah because i think you know absolutely like like there's been so much scrawl blood dropped already and they've lost so many of their people so he's trying to get out of this without dropping uh, any blood whether it be human or scrawl but i think that 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 line that nick says to him earlier in the episode of like Gravik knows that your weakness is mercy. You're absolutely right. He Talos needs to change that because yeah, it's it, it it's it's only going to get the people around him that he cares about uh, killed. And I, I think it's it, yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see his character arc throughout this and how far he you know he sort of goes. And I'm also really interested with with Talos as well. And I know we're going. I'm you know this is this is now me being the Charlie Day meme of. <laughs> conspiracy board (laughs) but i just feel like i don't know like maybe talos is upset that propician died maybe they knew each other yeah at some point i don't know i don't know because he because propician does say talos like he's like that's he knows his name so like they must have known each other so like is talos involved with what's going on with gravity Talos was the the you know the direct li- liaison with Nick Fury, right. so I feel like his he was on the council. Like, yeah, okay. He was he's probably widely known in the in the scroll scroll you know community boards or whatever, being like, oh, this guy's why we're here type mm. thing. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Propitian probably at his scroll house, he's got a dartboard with Talos's actual scroll face. Two X's drawn like, <laughs> through the, the eyes. eyes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I loved I loved in this scene where he's like. He's sitting on I can't remember which king it was, but King something the the fourth King Henry or whatever, and then Nick is like Nick's like, do you have more? Do you have more thrones in those comfy chairs? Comfy chairs, <laughs> so good. That that Nick Fury comedy is just fantastic. Um, okay, so meanwhile Maria is telling uh, the young woman <laughs> Amelia Clark uh, who bought the bombs uh, and re- don't worry after this we won't have to say that anymore uh, and report reports back to her uh, sorry reports back to Fury in Talos uh, and she follows her down an alleyway into an underground train tunnel uh, and then is immediately attacked and taken down Talos continues to chase uh, this woman afterwards and, and it even shoots at her saying that it's her last warning she comes down the ladder and reveals that she, get this, Darcy, is Gaia, Talos's daughter. Uh, and what? Uh, and he informs her that her mother has died, um, and uh, and you know because of the people that she works for. Uh, he begs her to give him the bomb, and she refuses, pushing him away, and then proceeds to mourn the loss of her mom on her own. So, uh, Darcy, you know it's it's a little it's kind of they kind of quickly rush through it in this scene um but how do you think soren died i mean i feel like the fact that we when we first see talos in this episode he's chasing down another scroll i feel like he and his wife probably be you know doing whatever they could to get what information they could take to nick mm. so that he could come back and help them or something like that and they that they went too deep she got found out or whatever i don't know i all i know is that you know this is an incredibly 
you know, heartbreaking way for someone to find out that their mother's gone yeah. and, and that they might have had a connection to how she died or something like that. It's it's we, we mentioned that in, in our spoiler free, how many how many how much how all the cast was killing it. And I feel like this is one of the episode standout moments for Amelia Clark. And I can't yep. wait to see her character grow because when she's breaking down in that in that garage afterwards, you just you really feel it. Also, I just talking about this, you know, little fight scene or whatever. Didn't they say to get the bags to them undisturbed? Because, you know, they're bombs. And yeah, that fight scene just seemed a bit rough to, you know, handle bombs while fighting. I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> but I had there, some red flags are, are raised because if they're really bombs, I feel like one of them would have gone off. Right. <laughs> it was. It looked pretty. Yeah, it looked pretty rough. I mean, Maria Hill definitely was pretty roughed up uh, in the fight. Um, you know, we see her with her, it looks like her nose is almost like broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but no, I, you know, I think it's, it's that, that fight scene as quick as it was, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more. I think it was a little too dark, but Amelia Clark seeing her mourn at like at the moment she could, you know what I mean? Like she gets away from them. She keeps it all intact. And the moment that she knows that she's in the clear, she breaks down and yeah, absolutely. It was super rough to see. Um, I, I'm just wondering though, if if maybe was oh, Soren in on something and Talos is the one that had to take her out? Like how nuts would that be? Like he still he still has to take her out, but only because she's working for Gravik or something. I don't know. I'm just saying it, it, oh, yeah. we're one episode in and you have so many different theories. <laughs> so many theories. I don't know which one do, I want to believe in. What I'm doing, Darcy, is I'm just laying out a blanket of theories so that if any of them hit, I can just be like, see, guys, I was so freaking right. Um, <laughs> all right. Back with Fury, we see him enter a bar and he's looking in a mirror and he's told by a stranger that he'll never be the man that he once was. And confused by this, he requests a drink and then sits down with Hill as they play chess. And she's clearly mad at him for leaving and even more upset um, that it seems like he's lying about why he left. She asks why he came back, uh, and he says that he owes it to Talos, uh, to which she responds with, are you sure you're not talking about someone else? She says the, uh, the fury she knew was always three steps ahead. She tells him that he's not ready, he was never the same after the blip, and to check his footing, otherwise someone is going to get hurt. Uh, we then see Fury remembering the moment he experienced the blip. Uh, the foreshadowing in this scene, Darcy, was great. Uh, you know, we get a different angled look at the moment that Nick experiences uh, the the blip, which, you know, he refers to his experience from that as a crisis of faith uh, and the reason that he went to space. But then he mentions the reason he came back was because it followed him up there. So with that said, I, I want to try and see if we can clarify this or if you have any insight into this. Do you, do you think this series takes place before or after the events of the upcoming The Marvels later this year? I had never even thought <laughs> to think about that. I guess I don't. I don't know. I. It'd be interesting to see that the Marvels plays into that, but I. I, I don't know how that would happen. Again, I feel like it was just the the crisis of faith was the fact that he does everything in his power, like going so far as to put a super team together to prevent these threats, and. The, the thing that gets him was something he could never prevent or predict at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was mm. kind of the thing. It's like he, he's so used to being in control of everything and and always having a, a solution. But 
when it came down to it, he couldn't do anything and there was no solution. So mm. I feel like that was more the, the crisis of faith. And he realized that he couldn't run away from it forever. Maybe that he's just got to face it and, and do the best he can. I don't know. It's again, this is a broken man. Basically it's a, a very different Nick Fury than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause uh, that you mentioned that too, cause it, I think in a, in a, an interest or in a sort of a, an introspective way or an extra expensive, extra Wait, I don't know if that's the word. Existential. Um, in a way, it does mirror, I'm sure, what a lot of people who who are maybe in charge of the general safety for the human populace, like doctors, probably felt uh, about the you know COVID nineteen and and the the you know the pandemic, and it's it's like one of those situations where you know there are people that that are probably in this world that feel like they you know maybe not so much in the year of 2023 but at some point felt like hey we've we've got this figured out and then we're just slapped with this thing that is so immediately uncontrollable and unforeseeable um that's interesting that's an intriguing sort of way to look at it and and way you know way to look at Nick Fury's character in terms of that that comparison um yeah man i i i'm it, it is one of those things where it's 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 interesting to sort of see this conversation between the two of them, and it's really upsetting knowing that it's kind of like their last, <laughs> their last conversation. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, really. Like again, they they they, they really didn't give Kobe Smulders or Colby Smulders much to work with up until you know this point. We get yeah. so much character from her in, in this one scene, and. They take her away from us. They and just it's, take it's her away. So sad. Let's talk about that. After Gaia's request to postpone the strike is denied, she meets with her father to tell him that the three bombs will be marked, uh, will be in bags that are marked with infrared spray. The next morning, uh, in you know at Vosevniev Square. <laughs> so I'm gonna say that uh, we see Talos, Hill, and Fury all using glasses. Uh, to see the infrared spray. I'm like, oh, they all have fancy glasses now. Uh, they keep an Eiffel watch, but unfortunately they miss the handoff. And as they split up to pursue the bomb carriers, they fail to get through the crowds. Uh, and Nick gets distracted by that little girl with the ball that we, you know, he saw in the, earlier in the episode. He follows her as she shapeshifts into the into guy from the, from the bar. Whoa. Uh, and then uh, the woman who was making out as well. Um, at, and then finally into, into Gravik. Uh, and as he turns around, boom, all three bombs go off, inciting chaos throughout the square. Nick pursues Gravik, but gets lost in the shuffle. Maria finds Nick, but then he shoots her. And as Nick sees himself standing over her, another bomb goes off and Gravik retreats. The real Nick Fury rushes to Maria, and as he holds her for one last time, she whimpers, it was you. And Fury replies, not me. And the camera pulls away as Maria Hill is dead. And that is the end of the first episode of Secret Invasion. Um, I, before we get to, you know, if we have any additional speculation or, or theories uh, and our final thoughts on the episode, how do you feel about the death of Maria Hill? And, and is she actually dead? There's a lot of conversation going on i think i have the answer for that i think you do too um but let's talk about this the death of maria hill rest in peace again i i i feel like this is this is a like an actual death i don't know if 
that was definitely Maria Hill because the way that we have seen other scrolls pass in this episode alone mm-hmm. is that shortly after death they shift back. Yeah. And we stayed on that body panning out for long enough to know that if she was dead, she would have shifted back. So I feel like that truly was Maria Hill. And I mm. I still don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. To tell you the truth. It's I the character had so has so many cool storylines in the comics and again the fact that we barely scratch the surface of her of that in the MCU. It's it it's sad, very sad. <laughs> it's so upsetting. And Kobe Smolders, you know, like I think once the last time we saw her was uh, Tony Stark's funeral, technically, right? Because even though I guess Kobe Smolders, we saw her in No Way Home, but that was Soren. That wasn't her. That um, wasn't Maria Hill. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so so it's just so upsetting. And and I think the the most sort of horrific part is when she says it was you and and so part of me thinks like that's really sad and upsetting because it's like she thinks Nick Fury betrayed her in her final moments but then another part of me is like is she trying to t- like warn him like hey there's there's another scrawl out there that's you know being that's that's trying to be you I don't know I don't know it was it was really sad um yeah, I, I think the other thing too is she does bleed real blood. You made me bleed my own blood. Um, she <laughs> she she bleeds uh, red, um, and not and there I was guess, a lot of it blue or purple. I think scrolls bleed normally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, but my only th- thought on this, Darcy, <laughs> is that like Nick also faked his own death, right? So I could yeah. totally see the Marvel writers writing something of like like a little joke of like, you know, that's for faking your own death or something like she's getting back at Nick. Not not just for the purpose of the joke, but to motivate him it, it, to to get back to being the real Nick Fury. To so come like back. Like Colson did. Like Col- saying, right? Col- the Colson death. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe, dude. It'd be cool. I mean, it would be you know, one way to pull one over on Nick Fury is to like take out, take yourself out of the game. And that way, when you come back, you're the only person you can trust because they would never imitate a dead woman. Right. Like that's someone they would never take the position of because they all saw her die. Yeah. So maybe that's the route they're going. I think that'd be really cool. Right. Because, cause she like, she could have been wearing one of those like body packs or something. And then like, it was fake blood. Cause like and he wouldn't Nick have time was to rush away very quickly. Yeah. By, he doesn't by, have by time t- to Taylor's like there, really yeah. look at it to make sure she's dead. I'm just saying, dude, I'm he just says, there's saying, possibility. It's, the thing is we're talking about comic book characters. Right. And the great thing about comic books is no one stays dead forever. No one's unless you're Gwen Stacy. That's and even then she's come back from another universe. So, Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I really hope she's not dead. Cause I, I love her. Um, now let's get to it. There's, there's one last thing I want to talk about before we just wrap up with our final thoughts on the episode and, and our score, uh, for this episode, um, which is a, a prediction segment, which I couldn't come up with a creative name in time. So I'm just calling it scroll secrets. Um, so <laughs> I'm not whispering if that's what like, you have to whisper that from Darcy. Nope. Uh, so Darcy, um, do you have any scroll secrets? Oh yes, I guess my one secret. secret. I'm not again not whispering. No, no, I'm not whispering. You're not getting that. Uh, the one secret I would have again relates to the fact that uh, you know 
Gaia's whole quest to get those bombs was meant to keep them undisturbed. And then they were very much disturbed during that chase scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that when she asked to call it off, Pagan says, no, we have the bait now. Mm. I feel like this was all just a, a plan. Like, I feel like Gravik knows Gaia has this this weakness in her because she's Tails' daughter and, and might, you know, leak information or whatever. And that information is what's going to get Nick Fury back where he wants him type thing. Like, I'm wondering mm. if this was all part of Gravik's plan because, again, Gaia seems to be very, very iffy on whether or not she's believing in the cause or not, especially after learning of her mother's death. So is this, uh, yeah, Is so is it the idea that that she's not on the inner circle with Gravik, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's just, I, you know, and that makes sense too because Pagan, Gaia, all these people are probably just pawns to Gravik. In he, this I don't game. think he, I don't think he sees people as people. Like he sees them as as tools and devices. Again, if he has his personal connection to Nick Fury, maybe a lot of Nick Fury's traits will be in him as well. And Nick Fury sees people as tools. I mean, that's mm. why he put the Avengers together is to kind of cover all the bases in terms of these supernatural threats or whatever. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's a good, that's a good one. And I think it's something that I think will actually get answered by the end of the series. Um, I have a, a secret uh, that I don't think will be, or at least I, I would be so happy if they did. Um, but Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, there we go. Is her name. Um, you know, I think with we saw in Wakanda Forever uh, her relationship to Everett Ross, uh, and I think with Everett Ross being in this episode, it made me start you know thinking, okay, let's look at the rest of the MCU. Who's a Skrull? Val absolutely is a Skrull, and I think you know with Sonya saying that Skrulls have made their way into positions of power all over the world, I, I think the Skrulls would want to have a way to defend against Earth's mightiest. Heroes, and I think this series focusing on Nick Fury, a character who's assembled a team of heroes, I think it would be a really interesting twist on that to have a character like Val doing the same thing with the Thunderbolts, right? And, and you know, to kind of give the Thunderbolts um, their own sort of movie, because we know they're getting a movie. I think that Val is a scroll, but maybe it's not fully revealed. Maybe they hint at it in this series because I don't, I don't know if they'd want to like have just us know that Val's a scroll going into Thunderbolts. Um, and, it, but like in my mind, it's like, it's just another level of security for the scrolls that they also have their own superhero team. Am I way off on this? What do you think? I, I don't know. I feel like that was just like at the end of uh, Wakanda forever there, that was like the legitimate, Everett Ross and in the Skrull Ross had nothing to know do with that. Maybe because Everett was off the board for so long, they thought they could use him as position. Although Everett Ross was in was, yeah, you know, I have no idea. Right. Ever that that Skrull was too connected. He fact that he got he called for an extraction from Maria Hill. Yeah. Like, I don't I've know. Never thought about that. What if those two Skrulls? They're both Skrulls, and they were doing some Skrull banging. Um, I'm sure that's huh. what they call it. Uh, <laughs> let's get too to ma- it. You have too many theories that, that could be possible. <laughs> my head hurts. You know what it is? It's just the fact that this series, uh, I think, realistically, they can do so much with it. And that's that's what makes it so intriguing. Um, but let's get to our final thoughts and overall impressions of this uh, first episode. Uh, and our final score, which we're going to be reading on a scale of 1 to 5. 
Skrull Sky Plants, also known as Santo Milica, uh, is what Talos, I think, says. Uh, Darcy, what were your final thoughts for this uh, this episode? Well, again, I think this is an incredible introduction to what I hope will be a gripping thrill ride through the the secret invasion of the Skrulls because they're setting up so much potential here and, and they are really driving home the premise of trust no one. You, like your best friend could be a Skrull or someone who will stab you in the back. And I love how they're they're just building upon that with each scene in this this episode. And you you really don't know what to believe by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see where it goes because this is probably the most gripping first episode of an uh, MCU Disney plus show to date, in my opinion, because so many things are posed and the threat is so clearly laid out that it's just going to be a, a, you know, a wild ride to, to get to that finish line. And I can't wait. So I'll be giving this one five out of five, uh, scroll sky plants because Woo! this does an incredible job of getting me hyped for this series. And, and like I said, I literally cannot wait for more. Jeez. You've, you've given it a high score. Are you, you're high on that Santo Milica right now, I think. I don't know if it's that type of plant. <laughs> it could oh, be. I would try it if it was. <laughs> try it if it was. Um, I think this first episode is a decent start to the series. I think it moves really quickly in ways that I appreciated. I think there's a little bit of it that's a bit messy at times, but um, I get it. As I said, we're getting dropped into this ongoing situation like Nick Fury himself. It's to give it, put us in his shoes uh, just as much. And I, I think it, it moves at a um, a breakneck speed that doesn't really feel like a, a normal episode one. I think it very much feels like a, a, a part one of, of two, but um, I will give them kudos for, for killing Maria Hill, if it actually was Maria Hill. Um, I think it's a very striking and, and shocking MCU death that I, I wasn't anticipating at all, and I, I think... You know, between the really strong opening and the the really upsetting ending, I think this did a pretty good job of of getting us into the world that it, of Secret Invasion, and I I hope that they can slow it down just a little bit so we can really get our footing going forward. But I think this is a, an interesting collection of characters that we get to follow on this show because we're not just following superheroes; we're following Nick Fury, we're following you know Talos, and and it's it's kind of sticking to the 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 spy espionage and not so much the characters that could just fly away at any time if they wanted to or or what have you um i can't wait to see how this all plays out into the larger mcu i think it's going to be really interesting and as we were kind of talking about earlier like is does this take place before the marvels is it after the marvels you know is this is it nick fury is who is it like what is it's going to be really intriguing to sort of get these moments and these characters um sort of cemented down in the canon um because i think it'll just i don't know i think it'll make for a really exciting refreshing you know uh move forward in for the mcu um which we need at this point because this this series this 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 you know saga is is just so big at this point uh i'm gonna give this premiere episode of secret of it you know i was gonna give it a 3.5 darcy believe it or not but then we got to the ending and i was so shocked uh, that my 3.5 shape-shifted into a four scroll sky plants. Uh, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Marvel's Secret Invasion. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, let me just shift my vocal cords into Darcy's uh, so that I can let you know how you could reach us. 
but you're going to think it's him, but it's me. <laughs> Here I go. Yeah, it's totally still Nate right now. Uh, it's Nate doing this, but we are geekcentric. Or sorry, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or, you know, Darcy, you take this one. Uh, okay, fine. I, I guess I will. Uh, they can reach us on Instagram at uh, wearegeekcentric or on uh Twitter at GeekcentricYT. Man, your impression of me is really good. Listen, dude, I've been, I've been, believe it or not, I've actually shape shifted into you a lot of times over the past few years of us knowing each other. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, let me know if you get anything in the mail. Um, but uh, keep in mind, I've just been ordering a bunch of stuff as you. Um, right. <laughs> a lot of collectibles. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews uh, for The Flash, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, Elemental, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We also have a spoiler-filled discussion out for that movie as well. Plus, we have a ton of great interviews out now, uh, like our most recent interview uh, with Kingsley Benadir and Ali Salim, uh, the director of this very episode um and we've also got some upcoming interviews with uh some of the cast from indiana jones uh and the dial of destiny um so definitely subscribe click the bell make sure you're subscribed to everything here on youtube uh, on youtube or here on podcast services uh and also uh, we have a discord that's opened up right now and we have a spoiler filled channel for Marvel's Secret Invasion. So if you want to write in with your thoughts, you can also jump in there and you can join that Discord uh, by clicking the link in our show notes. Maybe give us a theory or two that is so mind-blowing that we'll all be shape-shifting back into our natural form and we might even talk about it on this uh, Watch Club. So, uh, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, scroll scroll you later. later.